The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. I was going to start off with episode number, but our guest this week came on and said, wait, am I, am I number 203? And so I feel like, should we, should we do it anyways, Holly? Sure. So then uh, you and or uh, Dr. Steve can answer this uh, episode number 203. Hey, you guys did it. It's like a Dave Ramsey. We're debt free scream. Uh, <laughs> this week we do have, uh, as you had mentioned, Holly, somebody who is incredible, uh, who wears um, multi, and I say this in a positive way, masks because author and writer and speaker and coach and president. It is uh, Dr. Steve A. Brown, my friend. How are you? Hey, I'm fantastic and glad to join you for episode 203. We should have you on every week so you can help <laughs> yeah. me stay on top of things. Well, that's a, that's a great milestone. Um, what, a, what a great way to uh, impact many people. Uh, so, so way to go. Aww, no, thank, thank you. you. Thank you kindly. Uh, we wanted to do 10. So now that we're, you know, 20 times or 10 times or whatever, I'm not good at math. Anyways, yeah. uh, Dr. C, we'd like to ask a skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. Who are you and where did you come from? I'm surprised at um, my journey. And I suspect a lot of us are. I grew up in Ontario in a beautiful place with uh, kind of lakes and, and loved, loved that. On my 18th birthday, something crazy happened. Uh, my dad had a major heart attack. That was not the way I intended to spend my 18th birthday. Wow. And in the midst of that, I found myself crying out to God. And this is a God I believed in, but had kind of been ignoring and even making fun of uh, in many ways. I uh, didn't want really to follow uh, God, um, but there I was crying out to him. And mm. that uh prayer, uh, which my dad came through that night. I'm very thankful for that. But that prayer really stirred in me a desire to actually check out God and go, this God that I know is there, I think is there. How do I get to know him more? And can I get to know him more? And that started me on a journey that kind of took me in places I didn't expect. Um, So I went off to university to business school. I was thinking business school, then law school, then maybe politics. That was kind of the plan. But in the midst of that, God uh, rerouted me. And um, I spent a year on mission, uh, seeing what God was doing around the world. Uh, went back to seminary after that, which was a place I didn't even know what that was. Um, but it's a place where you get kind of educated on, on God's stuff. Started to help with some church plants and um, kind of got into being a pastor. And uh, the last 17 years, I've been working with leaders as a president of Arrow Leadership the last 10 years. And uh, we get to develop Jesus-centered leaders, uh, leaders who are led more by Jesus, lead more like Jesus, and lead more to Jesus. When you were growing up, uh, was your family really tight? Because I can only imagine at 18, it's like a big milestone and then such a monumental family event occurs. But growing up, was everything kind of one of those quintessential Christian family lives? Not so much. Um, Oh. uh, Yeah. So my my mom uh, was fantastic some days and struggled a lot other days. So I never really knew what was going to happen when I turned the, the door uh, when I came home from school. So some days she'd be, you know, baking cookies and kind of doing great. And some days she'd be in a room where she'd been in the dark all day long. So she struggled um, with mental illness and abuse of uh, alcohol and prescription drugs. Uh, that tore my family apart eventually in grade six. And uh, I moved off with my dad. So my dad um, became very kind of uh, central in my life. Um, so being at 18 and him having a heart attack was a pretty, pretty upending experience. But thankful for my mom. Um, she 
sowed some seeds of faith in me. She, she told me God's stories. She connected me with a, with a church and with school that, that taught me God's stories. And I was very thankful for that. You're pastoring, you're planting, you're leadershiping, you're doing all of these amazing things. Was it kind of just God, wherever you want me, just lead me? How did you kind of determine yourself as to this is where I need to be at this moment? Yeah, I um, did not expect this journey. Um, so kind of university had that plan. And at the end of university, I just felt God was asking me to use some of the stuff that had happened in my life to help other people. And I didn't know how to do that. So I did what maybe only a 22 year old can do, which is I wrote a letter to this guy named Josh McDowell and he, his books were a big part of me coming to faith. And so he's this author and speaker, kind of this big, big guy. And uh, I just wrote him this letter and said, is there any way I could learn uh, what you do and, and spend some time with you. That letter got answered with a, uh, an internship program that he would take a couple young guys every year to travel with him to do kind of admin stuff and travel help and all that. And um, so that started me on this, wow, God's at work around the world. Um, so I got to travel around the world and see God at work day after day. That led me to um, a lunch where there, there was a guy sitting beside me. I was in Texas and the guy sitting beside me was running the youth ministry program at Tyndale in Toronto. And he said, what are you doing when you're done this internship? Why don't you come and try one course at Tyndale? God had kind of put this guy beside me in Texas from Toronto. And uh, that started me into seminary. And then at seminary, I met my wife. And I also met uh, a guy who was planning a church in Hamilton. And um, he was one of my professors and just this fantastic uh, mentor. And he said, Steve, maybe you could come and serve uh, with the church and help us get going. And um, so again, God kind of keeps uh, surprising me on this journey. I love how at such key moments in your life, God puts somebody there to speak mm. to you and to mentor you. How important is it for uh, the generations gone before to really pour into that next generation coming up? I think it's incredibly important because um, I went to a hundredth birthday party uh, a couple years ago. I, I've only been to one. That was the only one. I only <laughs> known one person to get to a hundred. And it was this man named Evan. And I had to fly to Evan's hundredth birthday party, but I was going to get, get there because Evan had poured into me and the, the birthday party I went to was one of all his mentees. So he had a, a, a birthday party with his, his retirement home friends, with his family, but this one was for his mentees. And I got there and there were over 70 people there of over a hundred invited. So this is this picture of, uh, if you remember that movie, Mr. Holland's Opus, where yeah. the teacher kind of serves and at his last day, there's this auditorium full of people. This was the 100th birthday party. And each of us took the microphone and shared the impact Evan had made in our life. It was like amazing because I had saved some voicemails from Evan um, mm -hmm. where he would just say on my voicemail, Steve, I love you. I'm praying for you. And I'm proud of you. Hearing those words, even as an adult leader of a Christian ministry, I just loved hearing those words. So if you're a grandma or grandpa out there, um, uh, you've got a tremendous opportunity just to build into other people around you. And you can do it. You don't need a PhD or a position to do it. Anybody can do it. You, you had touched on it a little bit, but uh, Arrow Leadership, how did, you, how did this all come to fruition? How did this blossom into what it is right now? I was pastoring at the church plant in Hamilton. i it was about five years into the, to the church, I recognized that there were some things holding me back. 
Um, there were some things I didn't know, even though I'd been to seminary. I'm kind of holding back the church, but what am I supposed to do? How do I deal with some of the stuff I'm wrestling with, some of the questions I'm asking, the things holding me back? I've been to seminary, so now what? And somebody introduced me to the Arrow Leadership Program. And as I looked into it, it was about developing Jesus-centered leaders, bringing leaders together for a, a journey over time in community. So getting together with 24 leaders three or four times over a year or so. And that was uh, life-changing for me because it was a safe place for me. And I think all of us long for safe places, especially Christian leaders, because sometimes you can't really share what's going on inside you. And Arrow provided a safe place, but not a soft place. So safe, but not soft. This place where I'd be sharpened and polished um, with mentors, with getting to know myself better through assessments, with great practical teaching. It was a life-changing experience for me. A couple years afterwards, the chance came to join the team and we said, hey, this would be a great way to invest in others and see what God did in me happen in other people around the world. Do you think that everyone can be a leader? That's a great question. Um, I think that everybody has influence to some extent. So some people are, I would say, born with a leadership gift. Um, so you, you can see a kid at a preschool who's like three, who is making the preschool run, basically. And that's somebody that has like a leadership gift. Um, they just got it. So they're just kind of, it's, it's wired into them. Um, some of us uh, have uh, that, get, that leadership trait developed in us over time. And I think whether it's a gift that's been given or a, a, something that's been developed, all of us can have influence. A mom has influence over the kids. The kids have influence over their friends. And kind of, if you think about leadership, maybe not so much as a position or a title, but influence, then all of us can influence other people in a positive or negative way. It's funny how when people think of leadership, they might think, oh, you're kind of not the top, right? You're a leader, but that's kind of where you become at the bottom, where you are starting to learn a whole new set of things. For you, what was that biggest lesson that you learned going from being a student of leadership to now training other people to realize the importance of honing in your leadership skills? Yeah, I've been a student of leadership, I guess, for uh, 30 years now. And I've read lots of books. I've been to lots of conferences. I've been around lots of smart, uh, amazing leaders. The biggest takeaway for me is that we're going to get no better leader than Jesus. Mm. Um, so of all the books on my shelf, um, Jesus stands head and shoulders above anything or anyone. When I was researching my book, uh, which is called Jesus Centered, um, because of this kind of heartbeat of Jesus, is, he lived different, he led different. There's this great quote by John Stott, who's this um, now past uh, Anglican teacher and pastor. And he, he wrote, we talk about Charles the Great and Napoleon the Great and Alexander the Great, but not Jesus the Great. Jesus is not the great. He is the only. He has no rival. He has no successor. And that was a big part of my own arrow experience was Jesus-centered. Jesus is kind of, we can learn stuff from other places, but Jesus led in a radical way. He lived in a radical way. So that's been my big takeaway. Be a student of Jesus and kind of dabble and learn in the, in the other pieces that you can. Jesus-centered, focusing on Jesus in a distracted world. In a time like this, it's so weird because we have so much more time on our hands 
because of this pandemic and being at home, but yet we also ha- are, have way more distraction on our hands because of this pandemic and us being at home. <laughs> so then why then write the book? When I think about um, Paul's letters in the New Testament, I, I, one of my favorites is Philippians. And in Philippians, Paul gets where we are today. Paul is actually writing from prison. He is uh, social distancing in a different kind of way than we are, but he, he's <laughs> yeah. not with his favorites, right? He's uh-huh. like in prison and he's also not doing the things he loves to do. He's like called to be a church planter, a traveling speaker. And here he is uh, social distance off kind of his game, totally like what we've been doing for the last year or so. Right. And the crazy thing about Philippians, Paul's writing is that he's filled with joy. I think 13 times in Philippians, he talks about joy or rejoicing. And it's like, what is with this guy? Because he's like, socially distanced. He's not doing what he wants to do. He's stuck. And the difference as you read it through is he's jazzed about Jesus. He goes, you know, whatever happens to me, whatever circumstances I'm in don't really matter because Jesus is with me. I've got Jesus being jazzed about Jesus. Some of us, um, you know, maybe have never kind of thought about Jesus too much. And I just encourage you to do that. But some of us have been thinking about Jesus and walking with Jesus for so long that we discount Jesus. We almost dismiss him. We, like that's old news. But for Paul, he's jazzed. And I think if we're, if we're in awe of Jesus, we'll be drawn to Jesus. And then other people will be drawn to Jesus. The, the top books being sold are, you know, how to better myself, how to be a better me, how to be a great leader. So many people going into it are going to have different reactions or different thoughts of, okay, it's just another book about Jesus, or it's just another book about leadership. What has the reaction been from people though, who have been able to dive into the book? Like you said, some of us have like, you know, Jesus, tell me something new. We don't have anything better than Jesus or anyone better than Jesus. And the book hits at three different areas, um, being led more by Jesus. So how can I walk today? with Jesus? How can I know how much he loves me? How can I have my identity grounded in what Christ has done for me, what God says about me? So that's kind of the first section. And then it's how do I live and lead like Jesus? Like, how do I keep my thoughts um, like Christ's thoughts? Um, How do I live today with courage? How do I serve well or live with humility? So those are all pretty practical things that everyone's kind of wrestling with. And then the third part of the book is around how do I lead more to Jesus? How can I have my faith make a difference in the people around me, in my own family, in my coworkers, in my friends, uh, in the people who you know, are around the world that I could influence in some way? I love it that the book has uh, reflection questions so that people can actually do this with a friend, uh, do this with their church group, do this with their team learn together and talk about those three areas. Often books like this come out of personal experience. Like you've walked mm. that journey. Now you're able to help bring a lot, you know, other people alongside of you. Uh, for yourself, how did you learn some of these lessons? Often the hard way. I'm a slow learner and um, I often learn by mistakes. Yeah. So all of us <laughs> can probably relate to that. One of the big ones for me, and God, again, kind of surprises me how he teaches me because I'm totally not an artist. I'm, I'm not somebody to go to an art gallery so much. Um, you know, I, I appreciate it, but it's not like my thing. And I remember somebody showing me a picture of the last supper for me, the last supper pictures have looked like a hockey team photo. You got Jesus in the middle and then six guys to his right and six guys to his left. And it's pretty symmetrical. 
and uh, kind of stale and stagnant. And um, this picture that somebody showed me had the last supper, but there was like way more than 13 people in the room. There were uh, lots of people. It was like a church potluck. Um, uh, there were women in the room, which were never in the picture that I had seen kind of growing up. Uh, there was like uh, a Holy Spirit thing going on in one corner, an angelic thing going on. And the question was, looking at this crazy picture, Steve, where would you be in this picture? Would you be like right close to Jesus, kind of hanging off his every word? Would you be enjoying Jesus? Would you be like holding back, kind of afraid? Would you be off in a corner trying to, is this safe or not? And I recognized that I wasn't even in the room. I was outside getting stuff ready for Jesus to do. And as a pastor, as a you know Christian worker, sometimes you can uh, know Jesus, but be far from him. And for me, uh, that picture was this kind of conviction moment of Steve was doing a lot of stuff, getting a lot of stuff done. But my own, you know, intimacy with Jesus wasn't where it needed to be. And I was thinking about doing stuff for God rather than doing stuff with God. Mm -hmm. And just even that difference is pretty radical. To think that I could do something for God who creates and sustains the universe is pretty arrogant in a sense. But to imagine that God would want to do stuff with me and that he loves me more than I can imagine. So lessons like that that have come kind of along the way have been really transformative for me. Kind of reminds me of the story of Mary and Martha. Yeah, totally. We can get caught up. Um, you know, it's easy sometimes to, to say uh, God loves you or to, to preach that or to sing that. Um, but to actually receive that for ourselves, to be loved by God, it's both really hard and really transformative if we lean into it. When you look at, we, we talk about different leaders and there's different types of leaders. What about age? Do you see a difference? Because I notice that you hear a lot of times there's the 60 year old person who's been at the same job for 30 years, has his own way of doing things. And now there's the new millennials or exennials who are coming up who want to do it very differently. Do you see that there's different ways and different forms of leadership and different forms of uh, ways that we are doing things because of age? I think back to a mentor of mine who was in his um, 70s, I think, and his motto was peak at, peak at 85. Mm. Um, so he was like, I'm not going to coast. I'm not going to just settle for, you know, shuffleboard, at, you know, in Florida somewhere. Nothing wrong with shuffleboard or Florida. But he was like, I'm not going to coast. I'm not going to settle. I'm going to keep pressing into God and keep pressing into what God's call on my life is, whether or not I'm paid for it or have a Tyler position or not. And I think that's a great kind of attitude on the one end of the spectrum. And, and as for older leaders, how can I develop and be a bridge builder for younger leaders? So how can I pour in like my, my friend, my mentor, Evan? Um, how can I build bridges so that the people coming after me actually can go further than I did? And for younger leaders, I would just encourage you um, to know that you're bringing something incredibly important to the table. And we need your voice. We need your heart. We need your ideas. We need your passion for the world, uh, to your commitment to make a difference in this world. And so I think it's a both and in terms of the, the spectrum of older and younger leaders. Let's dive a little bit into your why me moment, because I'm sure you've had a plethora of them. Uh, can you think of one why me moment that really stands out to you? 
last January, um, I got a, I was doing leadership development uh, and uh, was away from home. And my, my wife sent me a text and she said, I'm just back from the test and it didn't go well. And uh, I'd like you to come home. I got on a plane the next morning and headed home. And what was going on was uh, a journey that was leading us into a diagnosis of breast cancer. Mm. And that was just before COVID hit. So this is like February of 2020. Um, yeah. So we walked into that doctor's office, getting the test results back. And I don't know if you've ever sat in one of those uh, doctor's offices waiting for results that you're maybe not wanting to, to get. Mm -hmm. It's pretty lonely and stark. And um, we got the results back we didn't want to hear, which was uh, leave got cancer. And um, that led to uh, over 2020, in the midst of COVID, it led to a mastectomy. It led to three months of chemotherapy over the summer. It led to 25 rounds of radiation through the fall. And we're through treatment. So I'm <laughs> thankful. Amen. Yeah, we're in, we're in monitoring mode and yeah. um, uh, kind of recovery mode right now. Um, but what a grind it was, um, both just on its own and then with COVID and, and navigating, you know, leadership and family and, and cancer was, was, was a good grind, um, a hard grind. Yet I saw God in it. How did you see God in it? Growing up, my grandmother was diagnosed with breast cancer and went through the mastectomy. And so, you know, seeing her go through that three times and, you know, you're wondering, well, where is God in this situation and why does it keep happening for you and for your family? How did you see God in the midst of that? The loneliness of that doctor's office, and I know this doesn't happen to everybody, but um, the doctor that came in to share the news we knew from a Christian camp we attended that we never expected her to walk into the room. Uh, so that wow. was like out of, out of nowhere, mm -hmm. the nurse that kind of carried on and told us kind of what was next um, kind of knew we were people of faith. And she actually shared her faith with us and encouraged us right there. We get out to the parking lot, just feeling like the world is turning upside down on us, get into our vehicle, turn on the van. And it's a Lauren Daigle song. And she's kind of our favorite artist boom, boom, boom. But what had happened earlier that day, I, I want to share with you, because I was just feeling like this appointment is coming. This is, could be a life changer. This could be awful. And um, I was just overwhelmed with the, the amount of pressure and weight it felt like. So God in his mercy and grace gave me a prayer that morning, which I prayed. And I'd love to read it if I could. Yeah, please um, do. It, it wasn't easy to pray. Um, but this is what I wrote um, as we faced that appointment later in the day. I wrote this, Heavenly Father, whatever we learn today, it doesn't catch you off guard. It doesn't diminish your love for us. Whatever we learn today, you are still bigger. You are still in charge. Whatever we learn today, you can bring good from it and further your purposes. You are with us and for us. Whatever we learn today, we continue to choose to trust you. And that was like a gutting prayer to pray out loud. Um, but at the same time, it took the weight off me and recognized, you know, I need to have a vision of God here, not a vision of cancer. And uh, having a bigger, clearer, fuller vision of God can change us uh, in significant ways. If that was me writing it, I don't think I could reread it because I'd be just covered in tears. <laughs> yes, I've, I've done that a few times, um, cried it. And um, 
one of the verses God gave me was um, Psalm 16, verse 8. And, and that's um, uh, this verse. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not stumble. And for me, my, my deal with last year was I got to keep my eyes on the Lord uh, rather than on COVID or cancer or whatever. And it's easier said than done, you know, because there are, you know, COVID and cancer and the rest of stuff is pretty intense. But I recognize as I thought about that verse, keeping your eyes on the Lord, it, the Lord is at your right hand, then you're actually not looking ahead. You're looking to your right hand where the Lord is. And in a sense, he's able to look at the wind and the waves. If I can keep looking at him, he can, he can deal with what's coming. And uh, that was kind of a mantra, you know, a practice for me to keep my eyes on the Lord rather than on other stuff. And back to Jesus centered, Hebrews 12, two says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In the couple minutes that we've had a chance to hang out with you, Steve, I've come to the realization that you are like the Swiss army knife of life in the sense that you are an author and a, a speaker and a writer and a coach and a leader and a president. Is there one that you feel the most connected with? Yeah. I mean, uh, my, my favorite thing is, is being married to Lee and being dad to three teenagers. Um, I'm, I'm a lot less clever as a dad to teenagers than I was as a youth pastor to uh, other people's teenagers <laughs> back in, back in the day. Yeah. But um, that's still my greatest uh, joy. And um, uh, I think in all things, uh, trying to encourage uh, people, uh, so many people are discouraged. And um, I think if we can be courage givers, if, if people who spend time with us can leave us and have more courage, than when they started, we were doing something. So my heart is to be a courage giver as much as possible, like my mentor, Evan, and to stir in awe of Jesus. Um, because uh, I will, I've got limited things to give you, um, but Jesus says, I'll be with you always. And uh, if we can keep pointing people to Jesus, um, that's the best gift we can give people. Jesus-centered, focusing on Jesus in a distracted world is available now. New t-shirt, Jazzed About Jesus, will be for sale soon. <laughs> SteveABrown.com, my friend. Thank you very much for taking some time and hanging out with us. Yes. Thanks so much, Johnny and Holly. Thank you again to Dr. Steve for taking some time and, and talking about something that is incredibly important and leadership, but not just leadership, Holly. And I have it in big, bold letters, as you said it, being an influence. And everyone can be an influence on those who are around them. So definitely some encouraging words today. Each and every day we're given an opportunity to be an influence, to make a difference. So I think he just kind of reaffirmed that in our conversation today. Yeah, absolutely. So a big thank you once again, going out to Dr. Steve A. Brown, definitely a book to check out. If uh, you have not downloaded, subscribed, told a friend, tell, told a family member, a complete stranger, then you need to do that. Be an influence. <laughs> Tell people about the Why Me Project podcast. You're not doing it properly. Where do you get it, Holly? You can go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you will find Why Me Project. Just search for us, or you can go to faithstrongtoday.com. Yeah.